Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. In this episode, Dr. Andrew Kuhn, a professor at the University of New Hampshire, discusses how technology could make automated vehicles productive workspaces. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Dr. Andrew Kuhn is a professor of electrical and computer engineering at the University of New Hampshire. He explores how human-computer interaction technologies can support work and well-being in the car and at home. So, Andrew, you and your colleagues from Harvard University, the University of Washington, the University of Wisconsin, and Wellesley College recently presented a conference paper about working in future automated vehicles and working from home. Can you tell our listeners what prompted this research idea? Yes. So this group has been involved in various aspects that are related to either driving or working and then human-computer interaction. And um, we realized that there is this interesting question, which is that As you know, vehicle automation is becoming something that we see in cars today on the road. Some of your listeners perhaps have cars that have some sort of automated braking in case someone you know, jumps out in front of them, or maybe cars that help them remain in their lanes, you know, a little bit of a nudge on the steering wheel. And we expect that cars that will be pretty well automated, meaning cars that will let you not drive for extended periods of time are probably relatively close. So you can think of your Tesla, maybe those are cars that people at least right now oftentimes use in ways where they simply don't drive them, they just let them drive. You know, cars where basically that's actually going to be the norm, where that's actually going to be the right way to use the car, I think are coming. And then the question is, well, you have some time now that you used to have to spend driving and paying attention to the road, what will you do with that time? If you're in HR and thinking about how your colleagues and your workforce will be spending their time, where they can live, what their commute will be like, how will they be productive and also happy at work? I think this is becoming a really relevant question because there will be this time now available for people to either do some work or perhaps do something that helps their overall well-being. And so this is basically what prompted us thinking about working in cars, working in these new automated vehicles. Then we also realized that there are some really interesting parallels between cars and working from home. So, you know, all of us are living through this grand experiment of COVID-19. There is some tremendous suffering. And at the same time, there's a lot of learning. And I think that your listeners in HR know this very well. Interestingly, what happens in the car if you're going to work, to some extent, there's similar to what might be happening at home when you work. So for example, working from home, probably you don't have all of the things that you're used to in your office available to you. First of all, your colleagues are not there. You cannot necessarily just step in to talk to someone. Well, you know, that's the same in the car. Also, there are some interruptions that are non-negotiable. In the car, even if it's an automated car, those cars that are going to be automated in the short run, and I mean in the next several years, will periodically say, Andrew, it's your time to drive now, right? So it's not going to be a fully autonomous thing where you step in and it just takes you wherever you want to go 
for some parts of the road, you will need to drive. And in fact, perhaps extended periods of time, you will have to drive. So those interruptions are non-negotiable. You can't say, give me five minutes. I need to finish up this document that I'm reading. No, you need to take over you know, now within the next 10 or 30 seconds or whatever. Well, think about working from home. You know, When my 10-year-old walks in with a problem, it's really not negotiable. I suppose I could send him away, but really that's not what happens, right? You probably have to drop the work that you do. So we find that there are these interesting parallels between working from a car and then working from home. So we were pretty excited about extending this question. And then finally, it's interesting that the two are even connected in the sense of when you're working from home, there's also this question of the commute time, right? That went away. And how do you redistribute that time? So there are all these really interesting parallels between the two and connections. So that is a relatively long answer to what prompted (laughs) this research idea. You and your colleagues collected data on time use for a very large sample of workers over the course of several weeks of social distancing. What were your major findings? That was very, very exciting work. And there are some really interesting things that we found. One thing that was very much expected is that, of course, people commute much less. And then the question was, well, what happens with that time? And it turns out it depends. It depends on your position. Are you a manager or are you not? Do you work in a smaller company or a larger company? And in general, it seems that managers in larger companies probably end up spending more time communicating and organizing and perhaps are not able to take that commuting time into, say, personal activities. And we also find that at least, you know, it looks like some of the people who are not managers can, in fact, realize a uh, transition from the commuting time to, say, personal time, right? So the, the time that you used to spend commuting, you might be now spending on some personal tasks. So I think that's one of those really interesting things that was one of the key findings of that work. Andrew, in your article, you say that the promises of productivity and well-being are far from being fulfilled with current technology. Can you expand on that? Yeah, sure. If we think about the car, I think we've all had this experience of driving. And then, you know, if you're anywhere near a big city and if you're commuting in and out, you end up finding yourself in the parking lot, right? You're inching along. And we all know this. It's a boring almost like a control supervision task, they would call it, right? So it's sort of like sitting and waiting for something to happen that you know will happen eventually, like the car in front of you will move, but constantly have to pay attention, yet it's just, you know, watching grass grow. It's, it's boring, so it's hard. And in a sense, it's also similar when you're moving really, really slowly in this traffic, right? You can sort of tell that you could do other things, but you really can't because you truly have to look at the car in front of you because they might stop at any moment. So what can you do? You can perhaps make some phone calls. Maybe you can listen to a podcast like yours. And those are good things, but not much else, right? And it's not, you can listen to music, but truly getting engaged in a work task is difficult. And, And similarly, truly getting engaged in some sort of a task that is related to your personal life, looking through a shopping list or reading a book, not really possible. So again, automation would really help with this, wouldn't it? So if you had a car that even at slow speeds and those really bumper to bumper traffic could take over for you, even for several minutes at a time, that would be really nice. You'd have five or 10 minute chunks of time where you could do something else. You couldn't take a nap, could you? That's not safe because you'd probably have to come back to driving quickly and that's that, That's not okay. 
but you could at least browse social media. You could perhaps listen to this podcast and take some notes on a piece of paper that you wish to uh, revisit later. And so we feel that, in fact, additional technology would truly then be able to help you, for example, get involved with work tasks such as having meetings with remote conversions. So imagine having a meeting as you're going into work to prepare for something, right? And how do you do that right now? Basically, what you can do is have a voice call. Everything else is things you shouldn't be doing. You know? So you shouldn't be looking at your phone. You clearly shouldn't be typing on a laptop and none of those things are good. But with some technology and with some automation in the car, you could get closer to that where you could actually have a pr more productive meeting. Speaking of technology, Andrew, you mentioned that virtual reality and augmented reality are tools that can enhance productivity, creativity, and well-being. Can you give us some concrete examples? Yes. Just for your listeners, virtual reality, this would be a world that's created by your computer system and you somehow are transported into it. Usually what we do today is we get these goggles, right? These headsets and basically your visual field is fully filled up with the computer created world. And then you move around in it in some way. And then augmented reality is similar, but what happens is that imagine having glasses that are see-through so you can see the world, but the glasses also generate some digital content, some digital images that, that are shown in your real world. So as you're driving, for example, some of your listeners might have cars that have little heads-up displays in their cars. So as they look out at the road, there is a little bit of a projection on their windshield that shows an arrow, for example, or a speed limit or their current speed. Well, you can imagine augmented reality. So you can imagine this digital content being created in your visual field. And this would be a nice way in, in cars, wouldn't it? Because uh, you could, for example, provide information about that phone call that you're having. For example, who's on the call, uh, maybe a mute button that you can push virtually or you know, even some sort of an image that might be valuable to you as you're talking to people. But it wouldn't stop you from actually at least roughly seeing what's going on, even with your peripheral vision at least, seeing what is going on on the road. So when that car tells you that, you know, Andrew, now it's your time to drive, you don't have to start from scratch understanding what the road situation is. So this would be augmented reality. You know, virtual reality is exciting. We're writing up the results of an experiment in which we provided virtual reality nature experiences for people working from home. The way I imagine HR is certainly that one big aspect of HR is, you know, how do you make sure that people are happy and not only productive, but are basically that they feel well and they're happy in their jobs. So one aspect of this that is taken away with COVID-19 for a lot of people is the ability to connect with nature, which from research we know is good for both creativity as well as you know reducing stress. And so it turns out that even looking at images of nature can be helpful. And so we are now in the process of looking at the data of what if you gave people virtual reality headsets and allowed them to transport into some nature scene for say 10 minutes a day? What would that do to, for example, their ability to be creative or their stress. And um, I think that there's promise in being able to bring, you know, certain worlds to people who might 
be working from home and even actually under the cases of a pan- pandemic, not able to leave their home to get these experiences firsthand. In your research paper, you conclude that your work is a step in the direction of convergent research where economics, engineering, artificial intelligence, and human-computer interaction merge to create new ways to work. Can you expand on that, especially about the new ways to work? I think that what we're finding, and again, you know, you, you mentioned the people involved, you know, our colleagues from Harvard are economists. I'm an engineer. The person at Wellesley College is a computer scientist. And our colleagues at uh, Washington and Wisconsin are, are also engineers, but also there is psychology background, there's statistics background, there's uh, this idea of human factors. So many different fields explore work, right? So economists obviously do, but so do engineers and so do psychologists. And we explore work from different perspectives. And it's exciting to see where these perspectives meet because I think that there's just a lot of opportunity to build something new by combining them. And one of the big problems though is that we don't necessarily understand each other's language and we don't know about each other's prior research, you know, just the field, what's been done. And so merging those or bringing those together is one question. And so you could ask, well, let's get together and talk about it. And you tell me about what you do and I'll tell you about what I do. And now we kind of know and we're gonna move forward. And this idea of convergent research goes a step beyond that and says, can we actually create some new way of proceeding that merges these, not just has them run in parallel side by side and then periodically talking, which by the way, is certainly a step in the right direction. But is there something beyond that where we actually create a new language of research or a new language of of generating new knowledge? And I think it isn't an easy thing, (laughs) but that's sort of our, that's our approach. We feel that that's really the way that we can really move this forward. In closing, Andrew, can you give our listeners one breakthrough finding that may be a game changer for employees and or HR leaders? I'm reminded of a book that I read about kids on the internet. And, you know, periodically there is some sort of a moral panic about some topic. And oftentimes it's our children are spending too much time on the internet. And the title of the book was something along the lines of the kids are okay. And I think that as I look at our results and uh, what we're learning about now working from home and this possibility of working in cars, I think it's important for HR managers to say, you know, our workforce will be okay because there are good ways that we can accomplish things and people are able to be productive. There are ways to being fulfilled and well-being can be taken care of. So I think that's an important realization for me. And at the same time, our results also show that there are differences between individuals depending on a whole host of circumstances. And we happen to have identified things like, are you a manager or not? And do you work in a smaller or larger company? but we haven't necessarily pinpointed a whole host of other ones. And I'm, I'm sure that there are, you know, your gender, the makeup of your team. There's just a number of different questions. So I think that on, on the positive side, I'm pretty confident in saying we can make working from home something that's really good, both for firms and for employees. And at the same time, I think HR needs to be aware of the fact that there are going to be differences. And we need to actually understand what they are 
so that the workforce is both productive, but also that we maintain their well-being. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing your insights about how technology could make automated vehicles productive workspaces. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.